Insert needle drop here. Welcome to the Vinyl Preacher. I'm Matt Cato, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, and also uh, various LA campus ministries. And I'm Zach Paris. I'm the pastor of uh, Lutheran Campus Ministry in Boulder, Colorado. Awesome. And this week we are talking about the, is it the fourth Sunday after slash of Epiphany? The Quattro. <laughs> the Quattro. Uh, which, which is super exciting because we're diving into the Sermon on the Mount, kicking off with mm. some of the most famous lines in the Bible from the Beatitudes. So that's what's ahead of us today. Hey, I know that we usually start off talking about what's going on in our context. Yeah. And we can do but I want to talk about what happened in our context last weekend because both you and I went and did like public ministry oh, gosh. out in the streets. And I'm just curious what that experience uh, was like for you because I think it's I think it's rough. It was like a big thing that happened in the world. It like we had a new pr- New president on Friday, and it's like, you know, I think we always have mixed feelings about new presidents and the weird mixture of, uh, of uh, civil religion <laughs> and, uh, and just basic democracy. And then the next day, like what, like two million plus people were like in the streets? It's crazy. Something was happening. Whatever you think of it, something was happening. Um, and both of us were a part of it in different ways. So you were in Denver? I was in Denver, Colorado. Because uh, I'm not a coastal elite, Matt. I'm a, a mountain slash high plain elite, I guess. I feel really <laughs> left out of the whole coastal elite conversation because I feel like I'm a coastal elite, but I'm not yeah. anywhere near a coast of any kind. Um, yeah. So <laughs> your water flows to our coast. So kind That's of. True. That's true. The water does go to multiple <laughs> coasts. Uh, so I'm going to write a hot take on a blog piece about how I feel really left out. And the mountain elite. The mountain, the mountain elite. elite. <laughs> yeah, we kind of went on a, a, not a whim. I didn't, I was, um, Hannah hadn't talked about it much. And then we kind of decided at the last minute to go. It's hard for us to make plans very far in advance. Because uh, it was, it was pretty, I mean, it wasn't, it was, the weather was great in Denver. Uh, mm. But the weather's not always great in Denver uh, in yeah. January. Um, so we got mid 30s, which was, well, it was really nice, sunny. Uh, right, but it could have been very right. cold. Uh, yeah. So we kind of uh, Hannah has a, my wife works downtown and near the, like actually on the Civic Center where the the rally and the march started from. Um, so she has a parking space down there, and so we could at the last second jump in the car and went down and used her parking space. Uh, I honestly went just to care for the children. I did provided child care. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't couldn't talk Hannah into letting me make a sign that said I'm just here for the to provide child care. <laughs> Actually would have been a good sign. Right? I know role reversal. That's what it's all about. So strapped uh, our, our nine month old daughter uh, to the front of me and then we stood in place for about two hours. There were uh, there were tons of people there. The estimates in Denver were around two hundred thousand. But the the problem was the parade uh, the march route wasn't long enough. So it just got full. <laughs> Yeah. Of people and so uh, we did not reach the start of the march until uh, about an hour and a half, two hours after it was scheduled to start. It's crazy. So why, why did you go? Did you say to provide childcare? <laughs> <laughs> to provide childcare? No, I think that. Um, and this, like, I'm gonna get a little fussy with just myself with some like the the takes the post post women's march takes. Um, yeah. Right. Because I don't know. Maybe that's just my beef with 
politics is dirty and nothing you ever do will be perfect. And, but that means you still need to do things. And so for me, I think what a big piece of it was, as kind of at, at times as fun and as uh, exciting as it was, it was a way in which, for me personally, it was a response of a repentant kind of response. Huh. Um, I didn't do enough, oh. right? That's my takeaway, right? Like I um, had faith in poll numbers and listened to the podcast that made me feel good. And I could have done more to stop us from getting to this place. And I didn't yeah. do that. And so uh, for me, it was uh, it was that kind of repentant thing. If it's repentant, uh, as you and I both know, repentant is it just feeling bad or it's like turning around. So did you feel yeah. like, how did you feel after the march? Did you feel like, I mean, did you, what did, how did you feel afterwards? And where do you think it goes from here? Do you feel like this is like this one time thing? Do you feel like, what, what do we do next? Do you have some idea for what happens next? Does it make you feel more hopeful, mixed bag? I don't know. What do you, what's, what's the post game analysis of this thing? Yeah. What I feel good about uh, right now uh, is not so much like, look what, what I did. Right. But that, yeah, that, that what happened on Saturday had real like it, it made things happen that we're just going to go straight straight into a political podcast. But uh, <laughs> no. I don't expect uh, President Trump to finish this term, his term. Uh, I don't think that's it's hard for me to fathom that world. I think that's probably good for humanity, but that he responded to it. Right. Like he really got and not just that, like anybody would have, would have responded to that. Right. But like the first few days of his presidency were, were all about crowd numbers. Um, yeah. And yeah. And like it, <laughs> yeah. he took the bait. Right. Uh, the one tweet that's not crazy is clearly not from him, like uh, in response to it. Uh, <laughs> and so yeah. I think, again, as a person who both of us, right, being in a particular place in time when, when the Obama ish sort of stuff started to happen. More recently, my political leanings have been with some disillusionment to the unrealized hopes. Really enjoyed President Obama's farewell speech, in part because it was an acknowledgement of things that didn't change. Because I didn't get all the things I wanted out of the pres- the Obama administration. I didn't either. I did feel like I got a lot of things out of it. But I also feel like one of the frustrations is that, like, I feel like a lot of us felt like, oh, we elected this guy and then he was going to, like, fix it. Right. And there was like the sort of everyday like how many do we see a rally like that during his presidency? Did we see a rally like that for for health care when they were trying to get that done? Right. Like there there wasn't that kind of every or even in the midterms. Right. Like where was the engagement in the midterms that we have in the presidential election? Right. So that like it'll be interesting to see afterwards. I mean, he he was inspiring, I think, and especially for our generation. Right. Um, But will that inspire us to be involved at this local grassroots level, which is much harder than having the hero, you know, who takes it and runs with it. I don't know. So anyway, it'll be interesting to see like where that, where that goes from here. I mean, I think the hope for me is that engaging in this very imperfect thing mattered, that it made something happen. Um, yeah. So what I did, <laughs> I did go to the, what's the, the website I should have it, the My Swing Vote. Um, oh yeah. Where you can look up your, the closest swing district uh, yeah. that you have. Colorado six. So I, I also like, yeah. How was it? LA. I'm, I'm guessing just celebrities everywhere. Celebrities everywhere. Apparently the edge was there and I didn't know. Oh it. my gosh. gosh. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, so my friend Aaron got interviewed by KPCC yesterday and he oh, said, so they were cool. like, why'd you go? And he was like, well, I just wanted to do something. And I guess that probably is accurate for me too, right? To the point where I asked Chris if we could like, do you think we can bring the girls? Like, cause they're really little. Like it was, they're really too little. I'm glad we, I'm glad we did not. But Chris is very skeptical of activism. Not because she doesn't share the positions, but because she just has very little tolerance for like meaningless bullshit. So, <laughs> so she's kind of like, so she was like, well, who's, whose mind are you going to change? Donald, you're not going to change Donald Trump's mind. He's an asshole. Like, that's what she says, right? Um, and then I like read her all the principles and she was like, yeah, all right. I guess I agree with that. And so we thought about it, but it was, didn't happen. But, but I, but I, I, I resonate with that. Right. Like, so like, well, like what is the, the focused purpose and, and where is this going to lead, but still wanted to be involved. Right. Like I want to be in the arena. Like let's get out there and then see where it goes from here. Kind of thing. Even if like, yeah, there are a lot of different, it's not like a hyper focused kind of thing. It's more of a, we all just want to do something and get out there. I did feel like a, yeah, I, I do feel like a sense of energy and hope afterwards. Even if like, even if it's still true that like these are concentrated in blue States and like, there's a reason for that. But still, I feel better seeing that the day after the inauguration than if we hadn't seen that the day after the inauguration. It means that the country is engaged. And I hope that continues. And I'm trying to figure out how it continues, right? Like, I feel like that's that's one of the things I'm trying to figure out is how does that continue afterwards? And then relevant for us to pull it into our preaching pod. For those of you that are like, did I just tune into Pod Save America? Or like, what's <laughs> yeah. that? Know. Uh, we really emphasize the pod part of Pod Save America. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I feel like... There's this next chapter of our common life is like there's there are ways in which it's really challenging for preaching and for yeah. for church life, but there are other ways in which it like I think pushes us to deeper discipleship, right? In the way that we're like it used to be easier where we could be like, well, I'm just I'm not that worried about the guy at the top, but now it's like wow, there's some really scary shit out there. What is how do we respond to this, right? And how do we respond in a way? I mean, this is the other thing that's challenging for preaching is like. That's not just a Democratic Party rally, right? Like I'm not mm-hmm. giving a I'm not giving a political speech, even if I do believe that these texts have profound implications mm-hmm. for our political life, right? And so I think that's one of the things that I'm I don't know I'm thinking about today as we talk about this text, but all these texts as we go forward, right? Like this is this is what's on everybody's heart and mind at the moment, and somehow these texts respond, but not like not like a presidential debate kind of response, right? It's like, uh, I want to say third way, but like it's it's even deeper, wider than that somehow. I don't know. Something's going on. I don't know. Am I making any sense? Making sense to me, man. Making sense to me. <laughs> so that makes two of us. So do you want to talk about the text? Is it time Not yet? yet. Not yet. No. I checked. No? Let, me, let me check. Nope. Not time. Because uh, there's, a, there's a, a little thing I want to lift up. Uh, what do you want to lift up? I want to lift up January 27th. Oh, my goodness. Uh, January 27th, two days. So that'd be Friday night. Uh, maybe you don't have church on Friday night. Maybe you roll it over to Sunday. But uh, a lesser festival in the church. That's the uh, the Sunday of or the day for Lydia, Dorcas, and Phoebe. Uh, witnesses of the faith. Female witnesses of the faith. Oh, come from diverse backgrounds. Uh, wow. Right, Lydia was a woman of wealth, known for her hospitality. Dorcas was dedicated to care for the poor, and Phoebe had a leadership position in the church in Greece. Their names stand for many other women who serve as faithful witnesses to the faith. If only there was some momentum and like energy around recognizing really important female uh, or non cisgender males 
witnesses to the faith. What I'm going to do, we're going to have a open space table this Sunday night for Lydia, Dorcas, and Phoebe. And during the week, I'm going to have people invite, I'm going to invite them to submit to me pictures of female or non-cisgender male witnesses of the faith in their life. And I've got an idea for like this art project of uh, a Matthew-like genealogy tree. I found some stuff with Lydia and Dorcas and Phoebe, and so I'll work them all together into this tree of the faith. Nice. Way to go. Way to use the lesser festival. Love it. Not so lesser anymore. (laughs) Yeah, man. Let not not so lesser anymore. Love it. Sounds good, man. Did you just was that like inspired by the current events or is that a thing that you do every year? <laughs> it's a, well, I just now have the book uh, that I steal all those ideas from from Gail Ramshaw. Ironically, I just I just now understood the title because uh, it's a, that it's called you ready. It's a book about the lesser festivals. A little what? more background information. Can you not say we not done this. Uh, it's oh. called not lesser. But more days for praise. Oh my gosh. More days for praise. It gives you all kinds of good stuff if you're a professional clergy person out there, right? Uh, it yeah. gives you some ideas of hymns to sing. There's a prayer to pray, uh, like a collect prayer of the day sort of form. But also like March 7th, uh, you should pray for the church in Tunisia because of uh, Perpetua, Felicity, and Companions, all the martyrs oh, yeah. of Carthage in Tunisia. Yeah. Um, so really an interesting, fun, helpful resource. And yeah. for, for those of us who do that kind of like open space table thing, uh, very helpful to find inspiring to, to find some neat stuff to do every week on the table. Very cool. We have nothing that exciting going on. So I'm glad you got it. And you are able to shine that light. Very cool. The other thing that's happening in my context, Matt, yeah. lead us into the time for the text is that this Sunday is Campus Ministry Sunday in Colorado. Wow, the uh, whole state? Uh, yeah, mostly northern Colorado, which is where our, our campus ministries yeah. are. At, uh, it's at the University of Colorado, Colorado State, northern Colorado. Uh, and what we've been doing is we've been preparing students to preach for about two months now. We've been doing Bible study on this gospel and so in about 15 congregations in northern Colorado, students will be preaching on Sunday. So I'm really excited and nervous for them. They're nervous too, but I'm excited. And that means I've been working with this text forever. That's awesome. That's really cool. But if we could get, get, this, if we could get this going, Matt, I have got <laughs> to be somewhere at about 15, 15 after. Time for the text! Okay. (laughs) Excellent. Time for the text. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Matthew chapter 5. It's the Beatitudes. Oh my goodness. So there's like two parts to this text. One is setting the stage and the other is Jesus' actual sermon. And it's interesting because we were talking, you just had this great line where you were like last weekend, all the conversation was about crowds. Mm. And how does this text begin? When Jesus saw the crowds. Uh When he saw the crowds, he went up to... Denver. I just broke out my highlighter, Matt. That's (laughs) how good that was. (laughs) When he saw the crowds, because we all saw crowds last weekend. We saw them. You can use that in your sermon. Um, (laughs) Went up the mountain, and uh, and after he said, so then after he sits down, his disciples come to him. So I don't know if that means the crowds came to him, or just now this small group that we're speaking to on a Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon or whenever you have worship. If that's who he's speaking to, or is he speaking to the crowds? I don't know. What do you think? But um, I'm not going to let you answer that. I'm going to keep going. That's a rhetorical question to think about. Um, But then he began to speak, and he taught them, saying, 
and here are all the blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. It's almost like he's using the um, that long communion prayer for the season of Epiphany that's in the ELW. Mm. Blessed, blessed, blessed. How does he do it with that tripping all over his words? Because blessed is hard to say over and over and over. <laughs> but maybe he didn't say blessed. He probably said some Greek word that mm. can be translated a number of different ways. Uh, blessed, uh, the common English version, the new one translates it happy are they, which mm. might sound kind of silly, but... They're trying to draw a connection to Psalm 1, which says, happy are they who walk in the way of the Lord. Trying to draw this connection back to the Old Testament. How do you translate that verse? So much going on. So much going on. Can I ask you a big picture question before we jump in? Please do. What's the point of the Sermon on the Mount? Excellent question, Matt. (laughs) I think the question in response to your question. Yeah. That I think that I think may be in the heads of many folks, including preachers, is is this. Sorry, did you say Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes? I mean, let's like either one. Either one. Uh, my response to the Beatitudes, which is where I was going, is the question yeah. that may be in the back of many people's heads is, are these instructions? Yeah. Uh, is it prescriptive or descriptive? Yeah. Um, and in my response to that, with all of Matthew's reign of, reign of God, kingdom of heaven sorts of things, is it's yeah. descriptive of the reality that's already here. Oh, um, Okay. So descriptive. That's you're going to come down hard on one side. I thought you were going to say both ends, but you took a position. Hot takes. Yeah, I'll take a hot take on this. I'm, I'm firmly descriptive. And I have a number of reasons to back me up here, Matt. Prescriptive. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. Is it about doing or being is my where I'm going to take that question to the next step. And the fun thing is yeah. only three of the blesseds involve verbs. Uh, you got three huh. little participles, right? Blessed are those who are in mourning. Uh, blessed are those who are thirsting and blessed are those who are hungering for righteousness. Uh, all of the others are nouns, right? Blessed are the poor, not those who are being poor, but the poor. Blessed are the merciful, the peacemakers. And even those verb related, those little participally uh, descriptions, they're not things that you get to choose to do very often. Uh, mm. I don't choose to mourn. Uh, I mourn in response to a thing. I, um, I am hungry and thirsty often, but it's not because I decide to be. So I think this is a description of identity, man. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, man. Because here's where I'm going to well, drag it one more time, man. Yeah, gonna drag go for it. It. We're going to drag it all the way in. Uh, another yeah. one of our themes uh, is not just the movement piece with Jesus withdrawing from the crowds again this week, mm-hmm. as he did last week, but it's a multicultural yeah. gospel. And that yeah. was one of the big takeaways last week when Jesus is walking, taking his long walk on the beach. Uh, Zebedee and the, the sons of Zebedee uh, get split up. Zebedee does not go with Jesus when he calls them to follow. And Jesus is breaking up a social order, a social unit. Mm-hmm. And he's breaking that social unit up and he's remolding and he's casting a vision of what it is that holds us together. A thing you may may know in personal experience and may come to, to know more fully in an ELCA-led worship workshop are the difficulties around being a multicultural church. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we lose the cultural understanding of our identity as, as the primary descriptor of our identity, what is it that holds us together? How can we be a multicultural community? Yeah. And I think these are these. Are, this is a description of our communal identity, the things that hold mm-hmm. us together. That what holds us together 
is our poverty, uh, that we find our belonging in our mourning, uh, in a meekness and vulnerability, in our hunger and thirst. Uh, and it is those aspects of our identity uh, that makes us belong and then in those aspects of our identity together in which we may actually truly be blessed. Yeah, man, I so appreciate that. I think this is like, um, I wrestle with it. I wrestle with it. So here's what I'm going to, so description, did you say description of a present reality? Is that how you yeah. said it? Yeah, something like so, that. So I think it's true, but here's the, uh, the thing that's sticking in my craw is that a lot of this stuff, like the, the second half of each line is very future focused, right? It's like future. It moves us to this future tense. Um, they will be comforted. They will inherit the earth. They will be filled. They will receive mercy. They will see God. They will be called children of God. Even theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew's gospel, kingdom of heaven is something that's not fully realized yet. It's something that's near. It's something that's coming, but not fully realized yet. And so there is, there seems like there's this future thing. And I don't, but here's, the, but I don't want to say, I don't, I don't like that. Because you, you, what you could do is you could say, hey, you're blessed because one day, it's going to be okay. I know it sucks now, but someday you're going to go to heaven and everything's going to be fine. So you mm-hmm. could go that direction. I don't like that direction. No. I don't want to go that direction either, even if I think there's something future going on here. So so I feel like there's a promise embedded in this text. <laughs> promise right? in the gospel? Get out uh, of here, Matt. There's a promise embedded in the text. And promise Get that implies, out of your call. <laughs> promise implies some future reality, mm-hmm. right? There's some future reality implied, but the promise is something that we have now. The promise is something that we carry with us now, even cling to now. What? It's like my favorite line. Um, <laughs> uh, but I'm actually, I'm not going to, I'm not going to use clinging to the promise. I, I want to say that somehow this is like life in the promise. This is like living in the promise. And man, I'm really. How I, how I draw the distinction yes, there. Go for it. Is, is, uh, I come down pretty firm. Uh, in wanting to say, because I don't think people hear it enough, uh, that yeah. this is true. This is the this description of reality is true. It's mm-hmm. not yet fully realized, and that's where I really like that cling and and live into. It. But if you're, we have competing realities around us all the time, and that, that that's much of life. <laughs> Alternative, <laughs> alternative truths, right? And some yeah. of them, some of them are really obvious, right? But others aren't that obvious. They're really seductive and and speak completely against this, right? The meek are not blessed. The poor are not blessed. Yeah. And yet, what it means to live, I think, and cling to it, right, is to tr- is to in the midst of all of these competing realities, acknowledging that they have very real consequences, is to God. I'm going to say a word I don't really yeah. like to say. Trust that. Um, that this is, this is this is not an alternative truth, but but the truth. So what do you think it says? Oh my goodness! What do you think it says to? So it, it begins with this thing about the crowds, and we just we just had this far too long conversation about crowds, and then I think we're all wondering like where do we go from here? How do we live mm-hmm. into this new reality? And I think that's part of what I mean. This text could be incredibly helpful. Yeah. For like after we have the big crowd moment. Then we pull up together our small groups, whether that's a congregation, whether that's a campus ministry, whether that's just your two to three person Bible study. We pull together our small group and we say, what's what's next? How do we live in this promise? How do we live in our reality? Um, what is what what comes next? And I don't know. What do you think Jesus has to say to that? I mean, I think interesting that when he withdraws, he immediately goes to teaching. Certainly, it's an invitation to move from the crowds into learning. Right, you've got to, to to effectively engage the institution and the machine. You've got to learn learn about it, and you do that together in in, in this small group. I, I, I read that 
that this is the disciples. This is a small group on top of them. Whoa, Matt, I just had an idea. Yeah. Oh, man, what if this is it? <laughs> right, we've also talked a lot about allusions to Moses. We haven't said it today. Yeah. But, right, Jesus is the new Moses. He's going up on top of the mountain to get the new yeah. covenant. Right. right. Right, to get the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Uh, and what if it's this small group of people that the law, the law not necessarily is rules that you need to keep, right? But this description of the way we live together is is carved not in stone, but in us. Boom. Yes. No, totally. I mean, for a podcast that's called The Vinyl Preacher, this is the kind of text that I love, right? Because it's such a remix of the Old Testament. He's mm-hmm. going up on this mountain. He's pulling. He's calling back to the Torah. He's calling back to Psalm 1. But then he's taking it and he's remixing it. He's doing this new thing. He's pulling it into the present. And so it's ancient wisdom and it's present reality. There's a freshness and a, and a rootedness at the same time. And that's that's super exciting. I like this. Like that. I feel like this context uh, helps me understand this. Like, because sometimes I don't like to be like, "Oh, he's just talking to the disciples," because it makes it sound sort of elitist. Mm-hmm. But, but I think, but I think it's helpful to think about like, you know, there's only so much you can do with a big crowd, right? Like, it's yeah. really helpful to have a giant crowd. Like sometimes, sometimes you want a show of numbers, and that's important. But there's only so much you can do with that. There's only so much you can do with a speech to that large crowd, right? What's also important is that daily work of like gathering together where two or three are gathered and living this communal identity day to day to day. When we did uh, MLK stuff last week, we had our little MLK table. Uh, I had to include my favorite photo from the the civil rights movement uh, stolen from the walls of of Scott Fritz's office. It's the the FBI surveillance photo of Pete Seeger, uh, Dr. King, Ralph Abernathy and Rosa Parks up at the Highlander School in Tennessee, right? Which is this very much literally going on top of the mountain. Uh, The mountain elites. The mountain elites to learn from each other. Um, Because I think, I mean, that's that's how I kind of read Jesus. Why is Jesus withdrawing here? I think that, that healing and curing and doing all of that stuff and then this massive crowd forms, I think on some level, Jesus must be confronted with the limitations of he's not going to be able to do this. Right. By himself. Yeah. He's got, I mean, there's a bunch of reasons why he's not going to be able to do this to heal and cure. That's a really fun question to go after and try not yeah. to. But that, yeah. that he needs the disciples to do that work, that he needs those who've been mending nets to mend yeah. these people now. Um, right. And it's an equipping, empowering thing for the disciples to, yeah. to more effect, to make the movement more effective. I got so one more question, and this is going to move us toward our toward our playlist because I know you got to go. But um, so he repeats this word "blessed" over and over and over. Mm-hmm. What 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 in the world does that mean? What is a blessing? Uh, and because I got some songs that have blessing, <laughs> and I don't know, I don't know that they. I don't know that that's how I understand, but, but like it's a word that gets thrown around a lot. At least in my mm-hmm. context, it does. Yeah. Maybe not in every context, but it does get thrown around, and it's even gets thrown around in song and and popular music a lot, um, or at least somewhat. So what does it what does it mean? Blessed, yeah. blessing. Are you ready? Yes. For your blessing. Are you ready for your blessing? When the praises go up, the blessings come down. I got blessings on blessings on blessings. Well, what does that mean? Is that because you're, you have a giant, giant house? Is that your blessing? Mm. I don't know if that's what he's talking about here. And that's like a little bit too easy, but it does raise the question to like criticize that. But like, it does raise the question of, well, what does it mean? Is this, is this like happiness? Is this like, how do I feel? Is this like well-being? Like what, what is this? 
what does this word mean that we throw around all the time? I'm too blessed to be stressed. Like, what does it, what's it mean? Hmm. It's makarios. Yeah. Which yep. is a, comes from uh, makar, which is uh, to be happy. So I'll read you this really quick and you can edit it out because it's probably boring. It's difficult to find an adequate translation for the word makarioi, the first word in each of the Beatitudes in Homer's Greek. It was used to describe the immortals of Mount Olympus, mm. so these deities. But it gradually came to be used more commonly in secular ways with the meaning how fortunate it is, much as we might say how lucky are the wealthy. On the basis of secular of the secular usage, some modern translations and commentators render the word as happy. For example, happy are the pure in heart. It's even suggested that the original force of the word would be better captured in English by rendering it as congratulations. Like, congratulations to the pure in heart, because they are going to see God. While such a nuance cannot be fully excluded in the Greek con- gospel, it is important to remember that Jesus spoke in a Semitic context. The meaning he intended in the original Beatitudes undoubtedly reflects the function of ashray in the Hebrew scriptures, for example, Psalm 1-1, where the happiness is less subjective than objective. Um, the happiness derives from a right relationship with God. For this reason, it is probably better to retain blessed as the English rendering because of the words religious associations. So what I find interesting about that, I mean, so there is some element of happiness in how we think about that, but it is definitely related to this godly element, this supernatural element, this above, this beyond us element is related to it, right? It's not just a, a general feeling, but there's we use blessed because we want to attribute it to something beyond ourselves, maybe. Oh, man. <laughs> and now that we've opened the can of worms at the end of the podcast, <laughs> we're <laughs> going to keep... I've got a little etymology. Yeah. Maybe it's going to help, maybe it's not. Um, and we'll inflict it on all seven of the listeners. That I looked up the etymology of blessed. Etym online is one of my favorite places to go to lose myself on the internet. Uh, but it says blessed comes from an old English word that means bledsian or bledsian or nuth, the Northumbrian bledsian, which means to consecrate, make holy, and give thanks. Um, oh, wow. wow. But that comes from yep. the Proto-Germanic. This is the part I was trying to get to. Bloodison, which means to hallow with blood or mark with blood. And so here's where that sounds really unhelpful at best and like terrifying at worst. Uh, But if we can reclaim and be a little uncomfortable with this blood imagery, which I think scares us a little. Uh, Not in my context. Those blood songs are catchy, man. (laughs) Well, from my my context, the blood were running... (laughs) At the mention of blessings or blood. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is that, that for me, that's a, that's a, when I hear blood, I think it's helpful to think about like a cruciformity, right? Yeah. In the shape of the cross. And if these are blessings, right, which means hollowed with, made holy with blood, uh, I mean, that's what the Beatitudes are. They're this description of cruciform yeah. life. Yes. Of, of, of access, not accessing, but that the, the, the form, the path to life is a path that leads through blood, through meekness, through humility, vulnerability, yeah. poverty. And so maybe that's just redundant, right? The blessing is is not so much the key to unlock here, uh, but an exclamation point at the beginning, like the Spanish. Well, and a marker of your identity, right? Like you talked mm-hmm. about your communal identity. Yeah. It's the blessing. The blessing is a marker of your baptismal identity. Mm-hmm. When we do baptismal bless, we do like we do birthday blessings at St. Mark's. Yeah. And the way that we do that, though, is by making the sign of the cross. Mm-hmm. And so the blessing is 
not this special, it's not like a cupcake that you get on your birthday, but it's a reminder of the blessing that you were given in your baptism, which is not, which cannot be taken away, whether you are poor in spirit, whether you mourn, whether you meek, that blessing, you retain that baptismal identity, cruciform communal baptismal identity. Oh, Zechariah says that uh, the covenant, that baptismal covenant, he doesn't say baptismal, but that's what I'm going to read into it. Baptismal covenant is sealed with blood. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Identity. We tied it back together. How about that, Matt? This is the greatest podcast. Playlist? Ever had. Playlist. What do you got here, Matt? Oh my gosh, I got three songs. Three songs? Man, I'm not even going to, you know, I wasteful. wanted to do Chance the Rapper, but I feel like I already did Chance at a, at a previous podcast. You, you should check out the whole, coloring, the whole coloring book album. Oh There's two songs called Blessings. And you Are you them. ready? I know, it's so good. It I mean, is that so makes good. me so happy. But I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with uh, Big Sean, Blessings. Mm. Not because I completely agree. I, I feel like it's, a, first of all, it's incredibly catchy. Uh, blessings on blessings on blessings. But it also is, I think, uh, illustrates uh, some different ways that we think about blessings. So if you want to wrestle with how the world, um, how we even think about blessings, you should listen to Big Sean. He's a good conversation partner as you think about what blessings mean. I recommend it. Number two, number two. So (laughs) we talked about rendering the word blessed as happy. And we also talked about uh, this these beatitudes being about your communal identity. So I would recommend uh, an old oldie but a goodie, "Happy Together" by the Turtles. Oh, so, so happy together, so happy together. This is a really interesting one because the tone of this. If you listen to the song, it's mm-hmm. not a happy song. This is this is. I almost put Pharrell's "Happy" on here, yeah. which is a song that like. The, even if you didn't know, like if you didn't, even if you didn't speak English, like mm-hmm. you'd be like, oh yeah, this song sounds pretty joyful. So happy together is like a minor key. Like I'm, I'm not sure if they're happy together. But like so there's like a little bit of uh, uh, mixed feelings uh, about that, which I think gets at some of the paradox. I would say it's a paradoxical song, in the same way that the Beatitudes are paradoxical. Um, and then finally, my third and last song, Biddy Orca's "Stillness Is the Move." Stillness is the move Stillness by Biddy Orca, which is spelled B I T T E O R C A. And uh, it's a couple of years old, but it's uh, kind of an Andy song. And I like it because of that debate that we had at the beginning about whether this is about a description mm. of what currently exists or a prescription for where we should go. And uh, and somehow I think those two things are whatever side we come down, on, I think somehow they're related. And so maybe being this rootedness in our identity uh, is part of the movement. I like That's what it. I got. What do you got? I like it. I'm uh, I'm for my, my my part of the playlist this week. I am diving into that idea that Jesus is breaking and reforming our sort of cultural expectations, uh, breaking apart the family of Zebedee, uh, reforming this massive mass of humanity into into one unit. And so I'm going to start with uh, I got two uh, two shy town artists uh, that I'm dipping into. Uh, for the playlist this week. I'm going to start with uh, Wilco, I'm trying to break your heart. Right? I think those are Jesus' words to Zebedee uh, this week. I am breaking open uh, your heart, right? And I think that's actually a piece of like one of the, we didn't even get into to diving into all the Beatitudes stuff, right? What does it mean to be pure in heart? Lots to dive into with that, but I think a piece of it, it starts with an openness uh, to examination of 
mm-hmm. of your heart, right? And so it needs to be broken open first. And that's what Wilco is going to do for you. And then on the other side of town, we're going to break some stuff, uh, but it's going to be a little more joyful. Uh, Lupe the Fiasco, break what? the chain, break oh. the chain from lasers about how breaking some of these social units may not be the worst thing in the world and that brokenness might actually bring bring some blessings and that, that some of us yeah. may, be, may be ready. Some yeah. of us may be ready for our blessings. <laughs> Love it. Love it. You got any good news this week, man? Oh, my goodness. Nope, I got nothing. There's no good news. What's your good news? My good news is this is true. The Beatitudes this is true. are What's, true. The Beatitudes are true? Yeah. That was my challenge to student preachers. Uh, I'll let you know how it goes for them. Uh, but but eventually our, our little Bible study boiled down to uh, my challenge for their sermons was to take one of these and make me believe it. Because they're awfully hard to believe because they run so counter to the world we know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think the good news is that they're true. Love it. Love it. Yeah, I guess my good news then I'll be figure out how to show and not tell this in my sermon, but that there is hope in this present reality. And that's one of the things the Beatitudes are trying to shine a light on in this season of Epiphany. Uh, They're trying (laughs) to shine a light on the hope that exists in this present reality, um, no matter how challenging it seems. I like it. I like it. Matt! uh, Yes? I I know we talked about it before the podcast, but uh, Kevin Strickland... Director of Worship for the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America is coming so on the pod. So that he has an assistant to schedule his podcast appearances. He has given his blessing to being on the podcast, and now we have to work it out with a third party. But it looks like it's going to happen. Your praises of the ELCA go up. The blessings <laughs> from this road come down. Wow. Wow. <sighs> Oh, man. When is our special edition presentation of our Lord podcast? Coming up next podcast. You guys, uh, Matt and I have have procreated. Um, We got some baptisms that we got to get worked out and figured out. Uh, So we're going to do a special February 2nd presentation of our Lord. Again, you can find a little bit more about presentation of our Lord in more days for praise from our good friend of the pod, Kale Ramshaw. Uh, But we've got a consultant we're going to bring in to give us some advice uh, to figure out how what how do you schedule a baptism when you're the pastor? I want somebody to tell me what to do, but it's me. <laughs> That's terrible. Gonna be great. Oh my goodness. I'm excited. All right, man. It's been real. It has. It has, man. It's been vinyl. It's been very vinyl. I don't know what that means, but I feel like this should be the tagline. This was the most analog podcast we have ever recorded. (laughs) That's what we should do. We should become a little more hipster and get like a wax like roll so that we record the podcast onto vinyl and then digitize it. Instead of vice versa, where currently we digitize it and then we roll it out on the wax and make the vinyl. Matt! Mm. Just had a brilliant idea for our Patreon yes. Patreon supporters. Yeah, the first perk will be a vinyl compilation of the podcast. Right, we'll send you the LP if you want to go back and listen. Good perks, yeah. right? Good perks. I don't know how you do that, but yeah, we'll. Yeah, well, I, mean, I think first step is to set up a Patreon page, but but that's <laughs> that's too much work for us. 
Get her, get your assistant to do it. Don't you have an assistant that does, like we'll Kevin Strickland? Get, we'll get Kevin Strickland's assistant to do it. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. All right, man. Have fun. Peace. Deuces.